Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And this week, all eyes in the bikepacking world turn to the Tour Divide. That's right. It's Tour Divide week, and excitement is in the air. Can you feel it? You know, I was thinking that the Tour Divide, at least to me, feels very much like our Christmas. The anticipation grows as it gets closer and closer. We check the wait list to see who's coming. And this year's Tour Divide roster is chock full of names that I am personally following. I cannot wait for this year. I just have a feeling it's going to be a big, big year for the Tour Divide. I could be wrong, but I feel good about it. So we'll see what happens. And while the eyes of the bikepacking world turn to the Tour Divide, the attention of Bikes for Death is turning its microphone to one dot in particular. Hannah Simon, who has been a guest on this podcast on two separate occasions. She was on for episode 93. And on that episode, she shared the microphone with Alicia, who also shared first place for them in the first iteration of the East Texas Showdown. And the next episode she was on was episode 145 when we did an East Texas Showdown recap from this past year's race. So Hannah cut her teeth in bikepacking and bikepack racing at the first ever East Texas Showdown. And less than two years later, she is on her way currently to the start line of the Tour Divide to take on the 2,750 miles of the Tour Divide from Banff, Canada, all the way down to Antelope Wells, New Mexico, for the first time, which is amazing to think about in and of itself. But wait, there's more. Hannah has committed to attempting the Triple Crown of Bikepacking, which if you don't know, is the Tour Divide, followed by the Colorado Trail, followed by the AZT, all to be completed within the calendar year, so for 2023. So what we are going to be doing, and what I'm very excited about, is we are going to be following Hannah's journey through this process. And today's episode is before the Tour Divide, before the Triple Crown, we're getting to know Hannah, we're getting to know where she's at in her process. We're getting to know her why and get a feel for her journey so far and how she's trained and how she's feeling leading into this attempt. And the thing that I'm really excited about for this series is that Hannah has agreed to share her journey in a very candid manner, um, whether she wins, she loses, or she has to withdraw. Um, we are going to tell the story and she's going to take us along for the ride. And so this is the first in the Hannah Simon series. We need a fancy name for it. Uh, maybe we don't need a fancy name, but if I think of one, we'll give it one. 
I'm really excited about this series of episodes that we're going to be doing uh, because it really gives us a chance to take you through the process of preparing for something like this and learning as we go. There's a lot of unknowns that Hannah is going to be tackling as she takes this challenge on. Every single race is going to be completely different. It's going to take a different approach. Um, everything is going to be new. She hasn't done any any of these three routes yet, so everything is going to be new. She's going to be learning as she goes, and as a result, we're going to get to go along for her journey and learn and grow and be inspired by her along the way. So I just want to say, Hannah, thank you so much for sharing your story, not only on this episode of the podcast, but for the many others that are to come. And we will be rooting for you, but, you know, no pressure. Just do your best, and we'll love you no matter what, and we're going to cheer for you no matter what. All right, everybody. Well, before we get into today's episode, uh, let's take a moment to thank the people that made it possible. Uh, Normally, we would thank our newest patrons, but none signed up this week, and that's okay. But speaking of the Tour Divide, uh, you may remember that last year, Bikes for Death, a.k.a. me, I drove down to the finish line of the Tour Divide, and I was able to capture interviews with Sofian Sahili, Manu Catrice, and Adrian Lichty. I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering his last name. Sorry about that, Adrian. And uh, it was a huge hit. I had a blast. It was a absolute dream to be there at the end and actually experience the finish line of the Tour Divide. And I am going back and doing it again this year. And it really is the patrons of this show that help support it financially so that I can go, I can do, I can pay uh, to be away from home and I can pay for the gas and accommodations along the way. So thank you very much to the 339 patrons that support this show on a monthly basis. We cannot do it without you. And I'd like to give a quick shout out to the three longest sustaining members of the Bikes for Death podcast, starting with number one, Ryan McNabb, who's been supporting us since November 11th of 2018. That had to be after like the very first episode or second episode. That's amazing. Uh, Second up is David Meller who uh, joined us on January 9th of 2019 and Paul Dries who joined us in March 30th of 2019. So wow. Literally, uh, supporters for the last three, four years, and so many others. Uh, thank you all so much. And if you would also like to support this work and help produce this podcast, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day, and I gave AG1 a try because I know that Andrew Huberman supports it and recommends it and uses it, and I trust Andrew Huberman. Uh, If you don't know Andrew, he has another podcast called The Huberman Lab. I highly recommend it. He is a neuroscientist, and he really breaks down complex neurological and biological and physiological concepts and makes them understandable and relatable to people like me and maybe like you. 
And I've really come to follow him and respect him as a source of good information. Uh, so whenever I heard Andrew recommends it and he uses it, I was like, okay, I need to check this out too. Now I drink AG1 every day before my workout and it makes me feel like I'm actually doing something good for my body and I'm giving it the nutrition that it needs. We talk a lot about nutrition for bike touring and bike racing and finding quality foods on route can be challenging to say the least. May I recommend AG1 travel packs for the nutritionally deficient bike packer on the go? If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one year of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash bikes or death. That's drinkag1.com forward slash bikes or death to take control of your daily nutritional insurance. All right, everybody. And I also want to remind you that Bikes or Death is going to be on the road soon. I'm Not only am I headed to the Tour Divide, uh, but after that, I'm going to be heading up to West Virginia to cover the Grusk race that is happening up on Spruce Knob. Grusk stands for Gravel Ride Up spruce knob so that's where the name comes from and i'm going to be there from july 6th through the 9th covering the event taking pictures kissing babies shaking hands and riding bikes and i'd love to see you out there they have a wide variety of distances and experiences for you to choose from everything starting from a 25 mile route up to the Mac Daddy, the 220 and the 260 mile bikepacking editions, and so much more. I invite you to check out this event over at www.mountainrides.net. Check out the event, sign up if you want, and I will see you there in July. Now, of course, you can find information for both of our sponsors, including a link to Patreon in our show notes. But for now, the bills have been paid, and it is now time to get to my chat with Hannah Simon. But first, let's have Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes for Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. Just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Welcome back to the podcast, Hannah. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. Another park bench in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Best place to be. <laughs> we keep meeting like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm I am I'm super excited uh, for this conversation. And I I know whenever I approached you with the idea for doing this series of episodes that we're going to be doing, I was like I was so excited about the idea that I was nervous that you would not say I don't know maybe you know 
I just, I, I was like really hopeful that you would be down for it. I'll just say that. So I'm stoked and yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Cycle East for uh, letting me steal you away from uh, from them for a little while while we chat. So you're technically like, I don't know if you're on the clock or clocking out. but <laughs> No, I'm, I'm clocked out. I won't have Russell pay for this conversation now, um, but it is the middle of the work day. So. Yeah. What do you do at Cycle East? I am the general manager, I guess would be the official title, um, oh. or what we'll tell people when, when they ask to speak to the manager, um, they'll just throw me in that fire. Um, yeah, I, I do a lot of the things that nobody else wants to do, um, is the joke that I make a lot of the time. Um, because it's just kind of trying to keep, keep the ship running in a way. Um, so when somebody else gets to a point where they, they need help, then they'll come to me um, and I'll be able to kind of pass them off to either another person that can help them out or, um, you know, take on the warranty claim or call the company or get the part or, um, yeah, it's a lot of little kind of daily things um, that I'm that I'm handling most of the time. Yeah, um, yeah and then any upset customer. Um. <laughs> Whenever they come with that look in the eyes, I just point at Hannah. <laughs> yeah. They know. They, they know. know. <laughs> uh, and how long have you worked there? Um, in August, it'll be five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Isn't that awesome? Well, that's great. We actually, so I started the podcast around five years ago and that's you know, when I really bikepacking came on my radar and, and the question I wanted to ask you was just from a shop perspective, I know y'all are bikepacking heavy. I mean, you, y'all, your shop leads bikepacking trips and y'all helped it out with some of my bikepacking stuff. So you definitely have the clientele that's coming in and, and doing these types of activities. Um, what are you seeing? Are you seeing like an exponential increase in like clientele and interest? Like just what is the, what are you seeing from a shop perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been funny, you know, with the pandemic coming in the middle of that five years, right? Mm. Like I try to think back before the pandemic <laughs> happened and try to remember like how a bike shop was running before then, yeah. um, because it just kind of turned everything on its head for us, um, in 2020. Um, and like back when I started in 2018, we were doing these bikepacking trips and, um, trying to build community around our shop space. Um, because it's nice, like a bike shop is a good way to, to, start building community because it's a place you can go to and we're lucky to have flat track um the coffee shop in the same space as us too so it it creates a, like a meeting place um that you can kind of branch out from no. um both literally and, and figuratively right <laughs> true um yeah so then we you know have had the pandemic in the middle um and shut everything down so we were kind of on survival mode for a long time um and then in this past year we um hired ariel um and brought him on to do all of our community engagement stuff and that that really came out of our desire and specifically Russell's desire to to rebuild that community space um, because we were doing it before. Um, and then we had to back off a little bit just to survive. And now we're trying to build it back up because we see a lot of need, especially in the people who are interested in getting out on their bike and going to spend the night somewhere, but just have absolutely no idea where to start. Um, and it, there's an overwhelming amount of information, um, on the internet. And so you can kind of get lost in all of that. And like to be able to just walk into a space and look at a person and be like, if I want to do this, how do I do that? 
um, is something really special that I think that bike shop does really well. Um, and ours in particular, you know, we're, we're trying really hard to be like the friendliest place so that you can feel comfortable walking into that mm. space. Um, cause in a lot of cases, um, it can be really intimidating to walk into, um, a shop. It's like taking your car into the shop. You're like worried that somebody's going to try to pull one over on you yeah. or something. So we're trying to dispel all of that and make a space that's welcoming and professional and, um, then also create opportunities for folks to go out and try it with us and, yeah. and see how it goes. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so poignant or so uh, topical. Um, I would just record an episode and I was talking about this exact same thing, how we're overloaded with information, which is a great thing, like, but it can be overwhelming and confusing. And first, and I, I think it is actually one of the greatest barriers to entry into bike packing because, you know, we have great technology with our, our, you know, routes on our phone or our bike computer. And then we have all the mapping services and we have routes that are already developed and we have podcasts and YouTube channels and websites and all the gear reviews right but which bike which bags which which tent where does it go like just taking all that information and helping somebody like navigate that in in a way that serves them the best um i've seen like you know i've had the opportunity to help people like kind of on that journey just like on a one-on-one basis and it accelerates their their access to the outdoors and doing what they really want to be doing so quickly. So I think that's a great, um, a great service that y'all are offering and one that I think is the most needed, uh, to get people in bike hiking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then it, and it kind of just rolls into already having a community to kind of come back to, to ask those questions as they come up and to see who's riding this weekend. And, you know, it turns into, a. a relationship that also creates more spaces. And that's what I mean by like, you know, literally somewhere to start your, your group ride or, you know, where you met your best friend that you go backpacking with all the time now. So it's really fun to see and facilitate those connections. Um, and to have them ourselves as well. Um, and get to, you know, weave that through the community at large. Yeah. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Go to Cycle East for all your bike packing needs. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> On the east side of Austin, <laughs> off Chavez Street. <laughs> yes, he's a Chavez. Let's, park around uh, back. <laughs> park around uh, back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should do that. Mm-hmm. So y'all try to reserve the front for like coffee or just people who are kind of coming and going rather quickly. Yeah, we'll just, yeah, people who are in and out because we, you know, the shop is on one of the busier streets um, in nearly downtown. You know, we're like a mile from downtown. And so we, the five parking spots we have in front of the shop um, are, are coveted. Um, and it's also hard to get in and out of sometimes. But um, we just try to get people to park around the side because right now street parking is still free. So uh, anyway, uh, I I actually I've gotten lucky. I guess I've been here three times recently, and all three times I've got a front row seat. So, mm-hmm. but now I feel guilty for taking the spots. <laughs> no. no, I heard you come and just wave you in. <laughs> beep, beep, back me in. So let's talk about what we're doing. Um, this is, you know, this, what we're going to be doing and recording this series of episodes is something that I haven't done before and I'm really excited about. So, you know, why don't you say what your big goal is for this year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've verbally committed to, uh, attempting all three races of the triple crown. 
Um, and I say verbally because I haven't put it on the internet yet, but I guess this is like the official time. I might have said it in the last podcast too, maybe. But I'll do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the the three races um, are Tour Divide, um, which is coming up here very soon. Um, and then in August, it's a Colorado trail race and October is Arizona trail race. Um, so there's several individuals who have already done it, but it's essentially doing all three of those races in the same race season is considered the triple crown. Yeah. Uh, And I'm wondering like, that is your big goal. Do you have smaller goals? Like, do you have time goals? Do you have finished goals? Like what, what are some smaller goals that you have like surrounding this attempt? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. When I, I think when I kind of started to, to, digest the idea of, of doing all three of these races, I decided I needed to look at them one at a time, um, and really just focus on on it. Cause if you look at it big picture and you start thinking about like, Oh, you know, how, how am I going to pack down a full suspension bike for Colorado trail? Am I going to do that? Do I use the same bike every time? How am I going to get my bike through the grand Canyon in October? Mm -hmm. And then all of these thoughts, thoughts flood in and you can get overwhelmed very quickly. And so I, realized that the way that the races are set up, it's like the first half of the year, like January through June, you don't have a race happening. Um, and then you start with tour divide and it's nice because it kind of acts as this like training in a way, um, both physical because you're riding 2,800 miles. Um, but then also because it's, uh, the longest of the three. And so you get to really like shake out whatever things that you may or may not know about your setup, um, beforehand. And so I've, in the last couple of months, I mean, it's, it's just like an every waking thought. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> truly I have like a running list of things that just when it comes up, I'll, I'll write it down and, you know, I see somebody with a certain water bottle. And I'm like, Oh, that would fit on my down tube really well. Or, you know, um, so it's kind of just like, a constant thought, um, happening. And I also, my personal lifestyle is very much centered around bikes, like managing a bike shop, working full time, trying to ride as much as possible, um, to prepare for this much mileage. Um, it's just kind of a constant thing, um, in my brain. And so it's, been interesting to try to have any kind of balance (laughs) going on in life for that reason. Um, but the, the main goal was just focus on tour divide first, figure out how I want to approach it. Um, and, and really for any of the races, it's mostly just like figure out how to finish it. Mm -hmm. Um, so the time goal for tour divide, um, I've been saying 17 days, um, is my kind of reach goal. Um, 17 to 20 is kind of what I imagine it'll end up happening. Um, but I truly just have no idea cause it's just so long. Yeah. You just don't even know. So first of all, we'll want to finish it. <laughs> um, it'd be really cool to do it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did you have the idea and not, not necessarily like, like when did you start telling people, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Were you like on the Arkansas high country and you're like, I think I could do tour divide. I mean, this is a, this is a big challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. we can't for anybody, uh, this is a huge challenge. Um, yeah. so like, when do you flip that switch in your brain and be like, I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, Russell came to me um, when uh, Lael posted that she was doing the Triple Crown this coming year. Um, and he, we had kind of talked a little bit about this was like 
soon after high country, um, he had kind of mentioned to me when I got back, like, you know, be thinking about like what the, what the next thing is, if this is something you want to pursue, um, if, if racing, um, ultra endurance bikepacking is something that you want to pursue seriously, like what's next. And so when Lael posted that she was doing triple crown, he kind of was like, I think, I think this is your next thing. Um, Whoa. and it was, it was cool because I, I know Lael, she and I are friends, and I met her last year while we were in Iceland um, doing the West Fjords Way Challenge, um, which she helped kind of um, determine the route for that the year before, and then they made it a race this past year. Um, and so we spent a lot of time together there just because we ended up riding bikes together. Um, so she and I had kind of already been in contact, and um, she had talked about doing the triple crown, um, and then made it official. And so I kind of reached out to her and was like, Hey, is it okay if I chase you <laughs> through these things? And it's, it's both like, she is an inspiration, but it is also just, um, a kind of natural next step in a way. I, I did high country in October, um, in Iceland last year, um, got three East Texas showdowns under my belt. So yeah. truly I can do anything pretty much really based, based <laughs> off of that. Um, I don't even know why you did the high country. Like you could have skipped <laughs> yeah. Westford's way and went straight to triple crown, but sure, you know, sure. you wanted a little bit more experience in your belt. That's mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get out of the, the hills of Texas and the try, hills and try Texas. something <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think if, for me, it felt like a natural next step. And as I say it, I like think to myself, I'm like, well, that's kind of a, big old step though too that was my <laughs> internal thought process as well yeah um yeah absolutely so i i would say after after doing high country it felt like a good in between like it felt like a good half step between doing something as long as tour divide and the races i had done before that um because it's like on the cusp it's a thousand miles you're out you know, in Arkansas wilderness. And so you, you get a little taste of what I imagine the tour divide to be, um, with more feet per mile, um, of elevation, um, as well. So some people talk about how high country is more difficult for different reasons, um, than tour divide. Yeah. Um, I could see that. Yeah. The thing, one of the things that like I'm excited about and and I guess just to you know fill the audience in. I mean, what Hannah and I are going to be doing is um, we're going to talk today before the Tour Divide. We'll talk after the Tour Divide. We'll talk after Colorado Trail and after AZT, and you know share your journey along the way. And one thing I appreciate from you is that you're willing to take us along. You know, win, lose, or draw. And so often you know, I only get the chance to talk to and, and oftentimes people may only be excited to share like a finish or a win. Um, but, you know, you were open to kind of just share this experience uh, in a candid way, uh, which I really appreciate. And I think I think a lot of people can value from because it, it, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, Lael, let's say, use Lael. I mean, 2,800 miles, Lael's had DNFs, right? She's had to withdraw before. So like, um, it, it can happen to anybody. And, uh, and I think, especially when you're taking on huge challenges, like, you know, things happen and, and I think it's okay to like talk about it, but you know, it's maybe not the thing we always are the, are the quickest to like want to talk about. So anyway, I just want to express, like, I think it's really cool that you're willing to share your journey with us in an authentic way. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, and it's scary. <laughs> you know, it's scary to tell a bunch of people that you're going to do something, especially before you've done it. Yes. Because then, you know, whatever pressure you've got on yourself, then there's this added pressure of performing. And so you kind of start to get in your head about it and you worry about all the things that can go wrong. Um, and a lot of them are really just totally out of your control. Um, and all you can do is just go out there and like try your best. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I say that's all you can do. You, you can also prepare really well. <laughs> you prepare your best too. <laughs> yeah, prepare your best um, so that you can set yourself up for, for success. But, you know, some of the strongest writers like this past year, I know Ashley Carlock, um, who I'd met whenever um, we did Showdown together, um, she did attempted the Tour Divide last year and had um, and got caught in that storm that everybody mm -hmm. else got caught in yeah. and had a bout of extreme hypothermia and I, I see people like her and I'm like oh my goodness you know if, if that can happen to them like what's going to happen to me yeah <laughs> um, so it is it's 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 scary in its own way um, but it, it shouldn't stop you either you know because um, then you've, you've got these scary stories and then you also like um I became friends with Sarah Swallow mm -hmm. um, this past season and she was so funny. I was chatting with her when I was back in Tucson in February and she, I, somebody asked if she was going to do Tour Divide because she had already done it back in 2021. Um, I listened to the podcast that y'all did after she did it yeah. um, then too. That was and, a great story with her crack frame. Oh my gosh, just, yeah. Insane. Yeah. You um, never know what's going to happen. <laughs> you really don't. And, and you really don't know if you like how quickly you can recover from those types of yeah, things. Yeah. But yeah, to have a cracked frame on your way to the grand apart and then still be at the grand apart is mm. pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, when you, when I talked to her about it, um, she hadn't decided yet when I talked to her, if she was going to do the tour divide this year or not. And she said, she was like, well, you know, it's easy. So like, why wouldn't I do it? <laughs> and I was like, Sarah, ma'am, what? <laughs> um, and you know, she wasn't trying to be flippant or anything, but she was saying like, it's, it's fairly straightforward. Um, and it's a lot of miles and it can get really complicated, but for the most part, it's uh, pretty approachable, um, yeah. in, in the grand scheme of things, because, you know, there's a lot of people that do it. Yeah. Um, and maybe doing it fast is, is another realm of, uh, difficulty, but, um, just, yeah, getting out there and trying, I think, um, it's pretty approachable in the, in the grand scheme. Yeah. And if you know, Sarah Swallow, she mm -hmm. has done a lot of really challenging endeavors, like the tour divide in comparison is not as challenging and the tour divide is it, as crazy as it, as it is to say it is approachable in the sense that again it comes back to like a lot of information you know what you're getting into the communities around the event are bought in and a lot of people do it i mean 200 people sign up every single year and you know i don't know what the finish rate is but it's pretty high mm -hmm. uh, if you can pedal your bike for a long time every single day it seems doable my biggest thing is just the time, you know, taking off that much time from work and from life to take on that endeavor has always been like, that's my biggest barrier to entry, but mm -hmm. that we're not here to talk about me. <laughs> uh, what of these, what of these three events are you the most looking forward to and which one of them intimidates you or concerns you the most keeps you up awake at night? Oh my goodness. It's hard to say just because they each have their own things that are 
intimidating and exciting at the same time. I would say I'm most intimidated by Colorado Trail um, because last year in August I went out to do a couple sections of it with a friend of mine. Um, and we got out there and we were going to do the whole thing, but then he had some time constraints. And so we decided to just start in Salida, um, and start heading South toward Durango. Salida is about halfway. Mm. Um, and that whole route is 540 miles. Um, cute. So cute. They're singing too. Oh, yeah. This, this reminds me of my daughter and I, Yeah, we have a, a, a father and his daughter, being pulled by a tag-along bike, and yeah, they're little, singing as they go. <laughs> a little burly piccolo. I oh. like to ride my bicycle. <laughs> yeah. You even knew what uh, tag-along it was. Very uh-huh, good. Look yeah. at you. You do work at a bike oh, shop. She, she runs a bike shop. What can we say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, that's the best part about meeting in a park. Um, but, yeah, what was it? Uh, we were talking about your... Colorado Trail, yes. Um, yeah, so we started off in Salida um, to... De- try to only attempt half of it um, and got going and man, mountain bike miles are just so much different from gravel or road miles. Like it just, it takes a lot longer to um, ride a single track trail, um, climb a mountain um, on a single track trail than it does um, to, you know, ride a gravel race. Um, So it's just, it's a lot slower going. And so you've got to kind of just switch your mindset a little bit and not think about mileage and not focus on how far you've gone um, or how far you have to go um, and just keep moving. So um, that situation we like ended up needing to get picked up because we ran out of water and even though it had been raining on us the whole time we were out there there was no like actual reliable water source um and we ended up going back out and doing the section between Silverton and Durango um which was pretty successful we were able to do that um and not need any assistance but I think having that like I wouldn't call it a failure necessarily, but having that misstep um, intimidated me for that trail, just knowing that it's going to be a lot gnarlier than than Tour Divide, for example, um, just because you're climbing through the Rocky Mountains um, and there's no, uh, there's less available so- resources yeah. Um, there. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably well known as being the most technically challenging, rugged, and difficult trail mile per mile uh, out of the three I don't you know I you'll have to tell us what's more 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 challenging you know 2800 miles of tour divide or uh, how long is Colorado Trail 540 miles 540 yeah we'll be curious to see what you think mm-hmm. I'm curious how you're feeling about elevation because there's going to be a lot of elevation on all three of these we're in Texas you're training in Texas for the most part I think yeah, is that is that a concern or how are you preparing for that? Yeah, I <laughs> I do what I can in yeah, in the hills of Texas. Um yeah, I mean the extent of my actual physical training is really like doing a hills ride that we do in town called Teardown. Um I'll do double teardown every Tuesday. So after a ten hour workday I'll go out and ride about it ends up being about 40 miles and it's about 4,000 feet of climbing. Um, and most of those are kind of in the middle of those 40 miles. So it's pretty steep at times. Um, and I do that every single week, at least once. Um, and that's like really all of the like elevation training I can get around here. 
Um, I have a plan for before Tour Divide to um, fly into Missoula and ride from Missoula to Banff. Oh, cool. Um, and I'm giving myself a week to do that. It's about 400 miles. Um, and I'll probably stay on the road for most of it just to try to <laughs> make sure I get there in time. Um, but I plan to do that mostly to put me in that elevation, like put me into that altitude, um, and on that terrain, um, beforehand to try to shake out any odd things that I might not even know are a problem because I've just been tooting around Austin <laughs> <laughs> on my bike beforehand. Um, and I, you know, you mentioned time being the biggest factor, stopping a lot of people from doing uh, something as long as the divide. I have the great fortune of working in a bike shop where when I say I'm going to go ride my bike for a whole month, they're, they're okay with me going to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get out there ahead of time to shake out any kinks that there might be. Um, and then also just like put myself into that mindset. Um, yeah, get mentally... Yeah. yeah, it's hard. Yeah, that, that's super smart because you can't fully mentally make that switch when you're still here. And it's like you said, when we we're at the bike shop, like if we're here, someone's going to come and ask me a question. If you're at your house, you're going to want to do laundry or whatever. But like, just get out there and be like 100% mentally in that space. I think what you're doing with riding the road is I don't I don't know if this is part of your strategy. But um, yeah, because you're acclimatizing if you're on the road, but you're not like creating any more wear and tear in your body, you know, like there's no reason to kind of like put your body through that wear and tear if you don't need to, like just kind of get some easier miles, so to speak, and mm -hmm. let your body acclimatize. Is that part of your thought or? Yeah, absolutely. That's part of, part of the goal with that for sure. I also, it's like one of the most beautiful sections of the whole race as well. And so it'll be cool to get to go through that and not like be struggling or worried about how fast I'm going or, um, oh, yeah. you know, it'll like to enjoy it beforehand, yeah, yeah. um, will be really nice. Um, yeah. And then just trying to take the path of least resistance, um, and also realize, you know, like even though it's on the road, it's probably still going to be pretty difficult. And so I think it'll be a good little reality check of like, you know, Sarah might've said it was easy, but <laughs> Sarah's easy is a little different from everybody else's. Um, yeah. Yeah. So definitely a part of, part of that strategy. And, you know, I mean, for the past month, Lael's been riding her bike from yep. Tucson um, up toward Banff. And Alexander Houchen is also doing a similar thing, um, touring her way up there. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have any goals of being competitive with them necessarily. Um, but I do see the advantage to riding to the race. Um, yeah. and you know, I did it for you showdown did, yeah. this past year. <laughs> yeah. Um, Turned out okay. it went pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, it's mostly, it's, it's a little bit of a physical thing, but it's also a mindset thing. Mm. Um, cause one of my favorite parts about these races is that, um, comparatively speaking, um, it's pretty simple to just ride your bike every day. Right. You know, you're thinking about, you know, where's my next stop for food? How many calories do I have with me? How much water do I have? Do I need to charge this or that? When I stop, I need to put more sunscreen on. There are those types of things, but you're not thinking about whether or not you made that special order for that customer or if that 
warranty gap out or if your friends are having dinner later, you know, you're not going from a 10 hour workday to a 40 mile ride. Um, like that complexity is different, um, of everyday life versus just getting to ride your bike. I really like what you said about, um, enjoying that beautiful stretch. So you're, you're really going to use that first week to climatize and, and also like get some value out of like just enjoying where you're at and, and taking it all in and appreciating where you are. And then you're like, okay, I've checked that box. I've got to climatize. Now I can go ride my damn bike. One, one might say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're going to do the triple crown easy. Um, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. No, the reality is, is that it is a big deal and nobody um, takes on something that challenging without a real big internal motivator. You know, like you can't borrow that kind of motivation from anybody. So I am curious, like, what is your motivation or what is your big why for wanting to do this? Yeah, I think... It has a lot to do with wanting to do something or attempt something in pursuit of just reminding people that that anybody can do it and not in the sense that like just anybody can go out and ride their bike or take off work for a month or anything, but mostly just saying that like there are probably a lot of things in your life that are telling you no a lot of the time. And so if you are presented with this opportunity or this challenge, um, just trying to say yes, trying to go for something that you think that maybe you can't do. Um, because a lot of the time you can surprise yourself. And I think I've found that a lot in bikes because people just have no idea that they could, you know, even just ride their bike across town. Um, but once they do it, then that builds their confidence to try the next thing. Um, and so when you hear about these people doing these big bike rides, um, it's, it's inspiring in its own sense because you realize like, oh, if this person's done it, then why can't I? Um, and I think that is one of the biggest motivators for me because I, you know, kind of like what you said earlier, like I'm not a superhero. <laughs> you know, there's not anything... Um, I don't want to say not anything special about me. There are some things that are like, I, you know, am a little wild in some ways, but, um, it's, but I am You're still just a person. Blessed with some unique God or universal given talent to, uh, ride your bike without <laughs> right. any effort or right, no right, pain yeah. or you have yeah. your VOT max is triple what everybody else is or something. Yeah, no. And, and you don't have, you don't have to be, um, you do have to have a lot of commitment and you do, um, have to push through hard things. Um, but I think the more that you do that, the more confidence you build. Um, and to be able to ride your bike across the country and get yourself there under your own power is just so, so special. Yeah. Um, so it is hard though too, when, when you talk about the why, like why we do these crazy things. Um, and it changes, you know, every day is a little bit different. Um, there might be like, you, you get partway through something and your why is like, well, I need to finish it, <laughs> you know? Um, or you might be writing for a certain person or a certain idea. Um, it's something that kind of comes from, like I started uh, cycling through Texas 4000. We talked about it yeah. um, before. And that had a lot of why behind like, you know, 
raising money for cancer research and taking that journey with you and having people that have been affected by cancer and that's who you're writing for for the day. Um, and that kind of helped frame this mindset of like, okay, you know, today is for this person or that person because they're not able to be out here doing this. Um, and so it's a good kind of reminder that, that it's not just about you, um, even though you're the one doing it. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's pretty motivating um, in that sense. Where do you think that you'll, you will go in your mind? I have to assume that, like we were talking about mental preparation, that, you know, as you take on a challenge, like, you know, tour divide is first. You're about to take on 2,800 miles for the first time. Mentally, how do you think that, like, where do you go to, to just keep pushing? What keeps motivating you every single morning to not sleep in, to wake up, to wake up in the cold, it's raining, whatever it is, and just keep moving forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a few things. Um, there's definitely a bit of just, I don't know if I'd call it pressure, but, you know, I, I said I was going to do it. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I damn well better try. <laughs> um, um, I have the privilege of getting to try, um, getting to be out there and doing it. So trying to remind myself and put into perspective that, that I chose to be here to do this thing that maybe isn't super fun all of the time and definitely challenging in some ways, but that even during the hardest times, it's, it is a privilege to be there. Yeah. Um, and I think too, just I've thought about how like time is always passing. It's always going and no matter what, like next week is going to come and whether or not I spend this week, you know, putzing around doing whatever, or I spend this week riding my bike from point to point, you know, like that time is going to pass and I either pass it by being upset about it or, you know, not moving forward or I can move forward and like do something. Um, and so I, I think about that where I'm like, okay, if I start a day in a certain place, like by the evening, I'm going to be somewhere else. Um, and just trying to keep that moving forward. Um, and most of the people that I talk to that have done tour divide have, have said that that's just like I, mindset of just keeping on moving forward. Yeah. Um, because that's the only way it's going to happen. Um, so it could be just as simple as like, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, on the last episode, um, what you said about like our time, we talked a lot about time and mm -hmm. he had a phrase, it's called, it's a memento more. Mm. And it essentially means remember that one day you die mm -hmm. and it is living each day. And he, he said like, there's calendars where every day you like rip a page off and it's like that day's gone, you know? And, and, uh, yeah, what are you going to, what are you going to do at that time and keep moving forward? Cause there's no one that's going to pedal that bike for you or really like live this life for you. You know, it's like, it's up to you to, as Ariel would say, carp those DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to quote everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Really. yeah. Well, this is cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. So we're doing the triple crown. I think we should like shift to primarily talking about the tour divide and how you're preparing for that. But let's paint a picture of like where you're at in your personal career with, mm. you know, bike pack racing. If you want to just kind of give us the highlights of, of what mm -hmm. you've done up to this, up, up until this point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So with 
bikepack racing, um, it started with East, Te- East Texas Showdown. Um, that was, and I, I'm always a little embarrassed to admit this. I could honestly probably count on my two hands the number of times that I've like actually been bikepacking. Yeah. Um, and majority of those are during a race, um, which is funny because I feel like I've taken on such an identity with this sport. And um, in reality, I haven't done a ton of it. Um, but it started with East Texas Showdown in... What year was that? 2021? Yep. Yeah. Or, yeah, 2021. Yeah, it was 2021. Yeah. It was October 2021, yeah. Yeah, so less than two years ago. Um, started there. Um, did that once. Did it again in 2022 in April. Um, and then had kind of like a, a moment of realization that, like, there's always going to be more. Um, so... Arkansas High Country popped up um, because a couple of friends were talking about doing it. And that one was further away and a little longer and a little more challenging. Um, even before that, I guess, was um, Iceland. So uh, in 2019, uh, I studied abroad in Iceland for a semester of college and stayed in a little town called Isafjörður in the West Fjords um, for about a month of that um, experience. And that was 2019. So then 2021 came around again, Russell sends me a post from Lail on Instagram and is like, Hey, they're doing this race in Iceland. Um, are you going to go back? And I was like, Oh, can I? (laughs) (laughs) And so that that planted that seed, um, for me. And I started looking into that race and that was another moment where like Westfjord's way challenge is a stage race. Um, that's four stages. And it goes in and out and around um, the West Fjords in, in Iceland. So each day is about 150 miles um, with significant elevation. I think it's like 10 or 12,000 um, at least in each day. And is all it's all gravel as well. Um, now there is support for it. So um, you get dinner each night and breakfast each morning and they like transport a bag for you but it's still like 150 miles of riding um day like back to back each day um and so when i read about that i was like yeah in theory that sounds great and like i've done this showdown thing a couple times (laughs) what are the odds um and i remember just not not knowing if i could do it i was like i don't know that sounds like it's too much um and listened to the Girls Gone Gravel um, podcast. They had um, a couple of the women that helped organize um, the West Weirds Way Challenge, Lene and um, I think Brooke Gowdy was on that one too. And in their podcast, they were like, I mean, you know, we're not anything special. We're, we're going to do it. So, um, yeah, it's hard and definitely take it seriously as a challenge. But um but come out and do it. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to sign up for that race and that was the summer of last year. And that one's like a thousand total? Um, it was 600. Oh. It's a thousand kilometers. That, that's okay. Yeah. Those darn kilometers. Uh-huh. Gotta watch out so for how this. many days? Is it about five days or four and a half um, days? So it's a stage race. So it's four stages. Um, so they stop you um, right. at a certain point each day. So the first three stages are I was trying to do the math. I guess four makes sense. So four and 150 miles a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about yeah. 600, somewhere around there. Yeah. Right in there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so the first three days, it's uh, the first three stages. And then you have a, a bit of a break. And then the fourth stage starts at midnight 
um, on that fourth day. So, um, and it is a big loop. So you like end up back in East Ophir, um, where you started. Um, yeah. So it's, it's still a pretty massive undertaking and there were people from all parts of the world coming to, to do it. Um, and during that race, I, I didn't really have very many, very much expectation for myself. Again, I just wanted to finish it. Um, but I found myself riding with some pretty strong folks. Like that's where I was riding with Lael. Um, and so it, it kind of helped me realize that, that I was good at the thing I was doing, <laughs> um, or getting, you know, could have had the potential to be pretty good at it. Yeah. I mean, you didn't um, know you show up and you're like, Oh, I'm riding with Lael. We're riding together. Yeah. Okay. I'm here. <laughs> right. I guess I have to acknowledge. And I mean, you have to, mm-hmm. like, it's not, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so There's yeah. no other way to find out. Mm-hmm. What was after Westfords? Um, after that was high country. Um, so I, I did that a little out of order earlier, but, um, yeah, after Westfjords Way, High Country came. So Westfjords was um, July of last year, and then High Country was in October of last year. Yeah. And that one, I can't remember who put that bug in my ear. Um, I know Kuya was planning on doing it. Kyle Gilbert had told me about it before. Steph Hall um, also brought it up because she did the 500. Hmm. And I remember I hadn't signed up yet, uh, but there were still openings because that race doesn't necessarily fill up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to swing it or not with just getting the time off of work. Um, and I, it was Kuya was like, I'm going to go do the thousand. And I was like, well, if I'm going out there, I'm not going to just do half of it. <laughs> um, so I decided to also do the thousand um, with him uh, or not with him. He was way ahead of me, but um you know, at that point it was like somebody was driving out there and had a spot for a a person and a bike. So, um, it was a good opportunity to do it. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into that. We, we got there and, um, I met Andrew and they had like the welcome, um, party and they started playing the, this movie that was made about it the previous year Mm -hmm. when Scotty Lechuga and, um, a few other, people that I don't remember the names of, um, also raced, um, high country and they made this feature film about it that I'm not going to remember the name of. Is it relentless? Is it? Yeah, it was relentless Relentless ride. I think relentless ride. Exactly. Um, and they started showing a little section of it. And at the beginning, it's like these clips of these really well-known people like Scotty and, uh, Bobby Wintle saying how the high country was like the hardest thing that anybody could do. And I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, what did I get myself into? Um, and kind of didn't really realize what I had signed up for at that point. Um, and did it. It was hard. Um, but where did you place on that one? Uh, fifth overall. Um, and I got the sec. I'm second behind Scotty for all time women. Oh, um, all time. Mm-hmm, oh, wow. For that one. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to be. And yeah. if I'm remember, I'm thinking I remember that you placed second uh, in Westwards mm-hmm. behind Lael. Behind Lael. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not too, not, not, those are good people to be right behind. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's good company to be in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. where you want to see your name if you had to pick. Exactly. Maybe like ahead of, but you know, close to. <laughs> I joke. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to beat them, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I, I aspire to be like them, but um, I'm perfectly happy in second behind those two. <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't be? Who yeah. wouldn't be? I'm going to change batteries. Okay. Cool. Um, I'm not going to do what we did with Eric's. Mm-hmm. The, saw, look like, how shitty these batteries are. I was going to say, that's wild. Yeah, well, I got them in Arkansas because I had that other podcast I was doing there. Oh, okay. Uh, and that this is what you get in Arkansas. Okay. Oh, that's a good, mm-hmm. yeah. You want to ride more than you drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's a good matrix to have. That's a good goal. All right, so that that's pretty much your race career summarized Mm -hmm. you you don't uh take baby steps you take you you take the leaps and uh and so far you've uh you know you said earlier you like to take on things that you don't know if you can do like challenges that feel maybe just slightly unattainable or slightly out of reach but Mm -hmm. so far every time you've you've stepped up to the plate and shown you can do it. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about going into the tour divide? I feel, I feel pretty good. I don't know if I'll ever, if I ever really feel ready. Um, as far as just like feeling like, okay, now I could go and do it and it would be perfect and great. Um, I think, and this happens before these races a lot of the time, like a couple weeks before, um, I just get anxious about it happening and I'm just like ready for it to happen. Um, because you can get really prepared and make sure you have all of your things and, you know, get all the ducks in a row to make sure that I'm going to get to Missoula on time and have enough time to ride and, um, you know, have all of the things in order, but then it's just like the time has to pass so that you can actually start the thing. Um, so I feel, I feel pretty prepared. It's been a little bit of a scramble, just making sure to have the right gear. Um, because I think my biggest concern going into tour divide is just the weather and the conditions. Um, there's just a lot of snow on the ground up in, uh, Montana and Canada. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of trudging through pretty, pretty extensive snow. Um, and that's something I don't have a whole lot of experience with being Mm. from Texas. Um, and so just making sure to have the proper gear for that. Um, and physically, as far as like training goes, I've paid more attention to the amount of mileage that I've been doing in the past, like six months or so. Um, and tried to ramp that up just kind of in my mental space of like, okay, this week we have this on this day. And then Thursdays for a while there I had off. And so I was like, I'm going to do at least 70 or 80 miles in the morning. And then there's like a trail ride that I do on Thursday nights. That's like a fun friend thing. Um, so it kind of turned into just like whatever amount of miles you're doing, just like add more to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then we're on the right track. Um, so I don't have any kind of coach or training plan or anything, um, at this point. Um, but yeah, everyone I've talked to has been like, just be in the saddle as much as possible. Um, because you really just want to know what your body's going to do after you've ridden that many miles, um, and know what you need when you're at mile like 120 and you're feeling depleted, like know why. Um, and that's like the best advice I've been get, been given. Um, yeah. Do you try to, 
what am I, how am I trying to say this? Like, if you're feeling nauseous, do you ever like go ride intentionally or do you ever like, you know, try to recreate a, a scenario that might be tough and try to prepare for it? I, there have been opportunities too, and sometimes I take them and sometimes I don't. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't often get rainy days in Texas, but, um, back in December, there was like a rainy cold day that we were supposed to do a overnighter to McKinney falls. And it was like a, a cyclist bike packing trip that I was supposed to lead. Um, that is very much beginner, and the weather was fine in the morning. And then by 1 p.m., it was like 40 degrees and pouring rain. And so I reached out to everybody that had signed up. And I was like, look, y'all, I want you to feel like you have the opportunity to do this if you want to do it. But I also want you to know that it is not going to be fun. <laughs> and in that scenario, I kind of had to ask myself, like, is this a time when I should go and do this? Um, just because it would be experience for when it inevitably happens, um, during any one of these races. And at that moment I didn't. Um, and I, part of me like regrets that I wonder, you know, if I would have gotten more or better experience mm -hmm. had I done that. Um, but there are other cases where it's really shitty outside and I decide to go and do it. Um, because it just gives you that opportunity to be in a shitty place when yeah. you have the chance to recover and or learn from any mistakes that might be made. Um, yeah. So I try to balance the like putting yourself in shitty situations on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> you still want to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's kind of, it is mentally easier for some reason when you're just kind of, I don't want to use the word stuck, but like if you're in it, you're in it. And it's like, you're going to get what you're going to get. It's easier, I think, to mentally process that rather than like making yourself go and ride in like cold and wet weather for some reason. Right. Right. So was the thought always triple crown? It sounds mm -hmm. like it was. It was never just like, oh, I think I'll do tour divide. And then like, you're like, oh, I guess I'll do the next two. It was always triple crown from mm -hmm. the beginning. And that was, and that started about six months ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's always, it's always been that from the beginning. Um, I actually, it's funny. I didn't have a whole lot of interest in tour divide. Um, and people, you know, were calling me crazy um, for obvious reasons. It's like, you know, the coveted bikepacking race. Yeah. Um, but my experience with the Tour Divide was very much like, I don't know, it felt like everybody was doing it and it was like the thing to do. And I think I was, I wanted to focus on other things that um, maybe were lesser known. Mm. Um, and I'm like, do I say this on the podcast? That's fine. Tour Divide is definitely like a, a place where a lot of people will go and like, get out there whether or not they're fully prepared and do some soul searching. And the, the folks that I've interacted with that were going to do that, were like going to go buy a cutthroat and find themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just didn't, for whatever reason, didn't have any interest in it. Um, because I just, you know, I wasn't a, 60 something year old man trying to <laughs> find myself. <laughs> there is a lot of that. Um, there, yeah. And there is. And, and so when, uh, I, it just had never been a thing that was like kind of on my radar or something that I wanted to do. And then I, I said that to, I think it was my friend Ezra, um, Ezra Ward Packard. Mm -hmm. that, and he was like, 
okay, first of all, like you're wrong. Um, like stop that. Um, you absolutely should go do tour divide. Um, it's beautiful and wonderful. And you know, you'll drop all of the <laughs> six year old men in the first day. It's fine. Yeah. You're um, not going to see them. <laughs> right. And, and so, and I, and I realized too, you know, I think maybe at that point in time, it had seemed like something that wasn't much of a challenge. Um, and I was very wrong. I'm it, I, at this point now I'm like, okay, um, we should be scared. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Good, good question. Mm -hmm. What are you scared of? What, what mm -hmm. keeps you up at night when you're thinking specifically about the tour divide? Mm -hmm. Um, finishing, like being able to actually finish the thing. Um, what would keep you from finishing? Um, weather. I think is a big one that is just totally out of my control that I just don't want to be the dummy that like starts climbing the pass when there's a massive storm coming in right. and like has to be airlifted out. Like right. that's irresponsible. And yeah, you know, please don't be that person. Yeah. Yeah. But it, <laughs> and it is, it's very real. Um, cause it happened to a bunch of people last year. Um, so yeah, and hopefully that was a eye opening experience for a lot of people. Cause mm -hmm. last year was a little bit of a clusterfuck, you know, and, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not calling anybody out or anything, but we can all learn from mistakes, whether they're our own or from somebody else's and, and going into a wilderness environment where the weather is a big factor is just something that you have the responsibility to be aware of and make make the best decision you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely knocked me off my high horse of like, oh, yeah, I haven't really thought about Tour Divide because that's just what all the old folks do. And yeah. I'm like, oh, no, this is like a really real thing that like can be challenging. And I think really the story, Ashley's story was what really kind of like reality checked it for me mm. because I know how strong she is and, um, yeah, it, it can happen to anybody. So you're, you're worried about not finishing mm -hmm. weather might be the, mm -hmm. is probably the biggest concern. What yeah. other, it's 2,800 miles. What, yeah. what other parts of it seem challenging or daunting or just like, you're just, you have no idea. Yeah. Um, I think it's really hard to plan for these things. Um, because you don't know where you're going to be at any certain point in time, mm -hmm. like to the point of like, you, are you going to roll into that town in the middle of the night or the middle of the day? Um, and so you can only gather so much information because you don't know what's going to be available to you when you actually get there. Um, it's something I even ran into with Arkansas high country, because even within a thousand miles, you, you're not really sure at mile 600, like where you're going to be. Um, and so I think I have this joke where I'm like, I feel like I've got this test coming up that like I haven't studied for, um, and that I really need to study for it and like sit down and write down all of the different towns and what mm -hmm. resources they have. And I'll do some version of that. I still haven't yet. I'm leaving in three days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I think that that's the, like, that's where I will feel most prepared is once, once I've done that, um, once I've studied for the test some more, as far as just like having the knowledge, um, or, you know, having it available to me, whether it's on like an Excel spreadsheet or something, yeah. um, there, there are a lot of resources. Adventure Cycling Association has got a whole app that you can download the offline maps and it tells you how far you are from each point and um, even gives you like camp spot here and it's kind of like crowdsourced right. um, as well. So that's given me a lot of peace of mind. Um, 
but really it's just um, trying to make sure I know where I'm going. Um, <laughs> they haven't released the route yet either. Yeah, they never do. Um, it's always a week before, right? Uh, th- I read that it was two weeks before, so I was hopeful this past Friday. Yeah. But um, but I think it's the weather. I know it's the weather that is they have to check the route and yeah. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But it is, it, I run into the same thing with Showdown is people are like, oh, I went the route. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you know, because you, you've seen it rain and wash out a road and then, you know, like, you know, anyway, but yeah. I get it. But it, it does make it hard to like plan, plan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What, well, that's, so, my, that was my next question. I You've gone into like West Fords and Arkansas high country mm-hmm. with maybe less like uh, preparation than mm-hmm. you could, like you were like, thinking you got yourself in over your head at Arkansas High Country. And I was thinking to myself, I bet she's prepared better for Tour Divide. <laughs> and then I find out you're three days before and you haven't... <laughs> haven't even looked at the route yet. <laughs> so what what preparation have you done? What resources have you used? Have you have you not done any? Like, has it mostly just been training and, and gear? Or have you like... Yeah, I'm curious like where you're at in that process as of today. Um, yeah, I, mo- a, lot of, a lot of like loose training, right? A lot of just being aware of how many miles I'm doing. The gear stuff, um, was definitely a big deal because, um, there are conditions that I'll be dealing with that I am not as familiar with like snow. Um, and I am fortunate to know quite a few people who have done it before. Um, so I have a friend, Daniel Connell, who I met whenever I was doing Arkansas high country, he got fourth, um, at high country or third. Uh Uh-oh, him and Ezra were third and fourth. Um, But he um, was kind enough to just get on the phone with me and like chat through his experience last year um, and what things he like absolutely would do differently. um, And, you know, like told me to buy some waterproof socks um, because that saved him last year. Mm. Um, And so it's been really, really helpful to have resources like that Um, and folks who are just willing to talk to you about it and share whatever experience they've had. Um, You know, there's not a whole lot of like gatekeepy, like people not wanting to tell you how they did it because really everybody's just trying to make sure you get through it safely. Yeah. And if you ask um, a guy, they'll tell you everything. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> if they've done it, even if, if they hadn't done it, they yeah, might, they, they'll just, they'll, they'll tell you anyway. <laughs> yeah. In this case, it was fully like, please tell me everything. Um, Sarah Swallow has been another really great resource. She, yeah. um, she's been great to chat with because she did it back in 2021. Um, and has also ridden in lots of crazy conditions. Um, and yeah, it's also nice because it's just, it gives you that little vote of confidence that, because they're so kind to say like, oh, you're so ready for this. You'll mm. be fine. Um, and I'm like, yes, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just um, trying to do my homework. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's been on my mind more than races have in the past. Um, it's also kind of crazy cause like the first half of the year is nothing. And then the second half is all three races. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just trying to focus on, on the first one and get through that, um, has definitely been a priority. Um, and there's ways I can be better prepared, but I've still got a few days. So, oh yeah, got plenty <laughs> of time. Just cram for the test. What is your, let's talk about the the type of commitment and the way that you've had to 
you know, make sacrifices in your life to prioritize the training. And I mean, you know, prioritize the tour divide. Like what is, what does your life kind of look like now? Um, after you made this commitment to do this? Yeah. Um, I think that I've tried my best to not sacrifice a whole lot. Um, it does take a lot of time, um, to just be riding your bike as much as you need to, um, in order to prepare for it. But I'm fortunate to have a lot of friends that really like riding bikes. Cool. Um, so that was something that I realized, um, is that I actually don't have to like ride my bike alone a whole lot. Like I don't really ride alone, mm-hmm. um, very often, uh, at all. I've, I've had to be intentional about trying to go out and do solo rides. Um, so that I know, you know, to remind me that I'm not going to have like a friend with me right. the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think I've been really fortunate in that I, a lot of my social spaces, um, are also very much bike related. And so I haven't done a lot of sacrificing there. There are some times where, like I mentioned before, like on a Thursday, I'm, I'm going and doing 80 or so miles before I go to the social hangout, um, to do another like 20 miles of trail. And so I think that there's a little bit of like depletion that comes from that. Um, and I'm definitely guilty of the like, go, go, go mindset. Mm. Um, I try to pack a lot of things in back to back. Um, so it takes a lot of coordination and I think at times it can take away some of the energy from other parts of life. Um, so I think socially it's been okay because I've had, I have so many bike friends, um, with work, it's difficult because I still need to be working full time, um, in order to both support myself and then also support the shop. Um, and so it's a lot of like, just knowing that I'm going to work a full day and then also need to go ride my bike after. Um, when I talked to Bobby Wintel, this just popped in my head, but he would, uh, I remember he said like he would get off work, you know, work a full day at the bike shop, get off work and then go do 120 miles and then camp and then uh, come back and then work in the morning the next day, you know, and like recreating like fatigue and mm-hmm. I don't want to do this right now and just go and do it anyway. But if you have to work a job, mm-hmm. it's kind of what you have to do. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like I mentioned earlier, it's a different type of exhaustion. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that it's, it's its own version of training. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think it'll be a lot easier to just try to ride 165 miles a day versus like try to, you know, run a bike shop and go to a social event and ride a bike and then do it again the next day. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think it, the sacrifices are, are, are minimal because of my lifestyle. Um, but they're, they're there as far as just like exhaustion goes. Um, yeah. Do you mind if I ask you like financially? I actually have never asked this question before and I, it's a failure on my part, Mm -hmm. but you know, we have the opportunity cost of being away from our friends and our family and our work and not making money, but also like how much do you anticipate like spending on traveling there and getting all the gear and, you know, for two weeks on the bike, like, have you put a number to all that? I haven't put numbers to it yet. Um, I have a general idea of all the money I'm not going to be making. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to share that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, but it is, I mean, it's really, it's very real. I, um, I am still hourly at the shop, um, which I do think works in my favor just because there are times that overtime is a thing. Um, but I know that 
I'm also like, I've always been very money conscious. And so I know that my like gas station spending and like places to stay and stuff during tour divide will not outweigh kind of like general life expenses. Um, like I'm probably going to be spending less money out on the road than I would um, just in daily life. Because um, you live in Austin. Because I live in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Yeah, where everything is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Um, so I'm not as worried about it. Um, I've also been very fortunate to have the like support of sponsorships as well. Um, so the the bike that I'm riding, um, the frame like came from Salsa. Um, they reached out after high country and kind of asked, you know, what was next and if I need anything, cause I was still riding their entry level gravel bike. Um, and so they set me up on this like Thai timber Jack, um, frame set. And then I reached out to SRAM, um, to talk with them once I was like, Oh, okay. I do have this next big thing. Is there any way that I could have any support in doing that? And they've been, super gracious and like set me up with a whole group set and a fork and a wheel set. And, um, so I have a lot of financial support in that sense. Um, I'm like well prepared, um, gear wise, uh, because of that. Um, yeah. And then I, I've done some, you know, I've, I've worked more in the past couple months knowing that I'm not going to be working while I'm gone. I also have a counterpart. His name is Blake. He, um, has been with cycle East for like the whole time it's existed. Um, he was one of the first people that, um, I think he was the first person that Russell hired and he has been off frolicking, living out of a van with his girlfriend for the past couple years. So the caveat to me leaving to do triple crown was like, but you got to get Blake to come back um, <laughs> to help run the shop while you're gone. Um, so he's, you know, sacrificing some of his time to come back and work for the times that I'm going to be gone for these races. Um, yeah. So it's definitely, I mean, the financial factor is definitely on the mind. Um, and I think that it's just a matter of like juggling that the same way that I do every day, um, trying to survive in Austin. It's interesting. I, I get the sense that I wonder I don't know. I wonder if you feel this, that, I mean, it's so much prep. I mean, you said at the beginning, like every day you're just thinking about tour divide, tour divide, and you're like having to adjust your life and do all these things just so you can go. Does it feel like actually being out there will be somewhat of a relief, like a mental relief to just like, Oh God, like finally I can just ride. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I hope it's what it feels right. like. At least. <laughs> that's what you're, you're counting on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hope that that's the case um, because there is so much anticipation around it. And I think that's, and that's been my experience in the past with these bigger events is that um, it really builds and builds and builds. And then once you're out there, um, then that's, then you get to just ride your bike. Um, and so it, it will definitely still be difficult, but I do think that it will be a, a big step forward and just also like allowing these little anxieties that you don't have any control over to kind of dispel and be like, okay, now, now I've done all the steps to get here and now I just need to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we talked about the things that you're the most concerned about mm -hmm. or your fears. Uh, but what, what is it about the Tour Divide that you are the most looking forward to? What I don't know if it's a section or, or, or mm -hmm. what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been told over and over how beautiful it is. Um, and so I'm excited that even when I'm suffering, I'm going to get to look up and it's going to be just like 
absolutely gorgeous. Um, I don't know if there's a certain section in particular that I'm interested as like more interested in than others. Um, I do think that like Montana and Canada, um, area, like getting to go through that twice will be really, really cool. Um, and I think too, just the, the idea that I get to pedal my bike all the way across the country. Um, again, (laughs) because I did it when I did Texas 4000. Um, and now I get to do it again and even more like self-supported and on my own. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, and just like how empowering that is to, you know, be able to do that big feat under your own power is really, really cool. Yeah. Goosebumps. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, just like I rode my bike across the country uh, along the Continental Divide. Mm-hmm. How many people can say that? Yeah. Like that's it's just a it's a really cool thing that humans can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm I'm in awe of it personally. Um, let's see how you do with this question. I think we're good at like identifying our weaknesses, mm-hmm. but I'd be interested to know what you think. What do you think a strength of yours or strengths of yours are in, you know, bikepacking and endurance effort? And, and is there something that, like, it, do you have a, a, a weakness, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that maybe, and I, this could be both strength and weakness, maybe. Um, <laughs> I tend to, like I mentioned earlier with the like go, go, go mindset, I tend to run myself pretty thin um, when it comes to just like even just basic human needs. Um, and I think that that lends itself pretty well in uh, in an ultra um, because sometimes maybe you don't have access to things that you need right then and there. Yeah. You're um, like, I've been abusing myself for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at it. Um, yeah. So like just being able to run on like very little sleep and, you know, very little food and water and such. Um, I've, I've noticed that I'm pretty good at that um in in a lot of cases um and i i try to be really easygoing when it comes to stuff like this too like roll with the punches um i you know it would be pretty upsetting to have things get in the way but a lot of the time too just like being able to handle things as they come up um i th- see a lot of that just in like management like being a manager right. um being able to kind of like step back and like pick apart a problem um a piece at a time um i think that comes up a lot in these cases because a lot of the time maybe what you're most worried about is not a concern at all but something that you never would have thought about ends up being you know a lot more challenging than you expected um which i think will be interesting you know in having conversations after all of this um seeing what i just didn't even know was going to be a problem (laughs) um but yeah, I think you just being able to survive on very little resources and then also just roll with whatever punches come um, are I do, probably uh, yeah. strengths. I, I, I mean, just as an outside observer, mm-hmm. I really like your, 
I like your demeanor and mm-hmm. like you do, you, you don't seem to take yourself too seriously. I'm sure you're, uh, this is a serious thing, but mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're like you do have that kind of, I'm going to go with the flow, you know, whatever will be, will be, mm-hmm. and just do your best, like you said earlier. And that's a good way to have, because you, you don't want to be an opposable force on something like that, because that breaks, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can, I used this parable yesterday at lunch and I'll use it again now. There's a Taoist uh, uh, metaphor parable that I like. And it's, um, if there's a boulder in the middle of a river, the water doesn't go through the boulder. It goes around the boulder and it gets to the same place. And I've, I, it's, I love Taoism. It's so simple. Um, but yeah, it's like, that's a great personality trait or mindset to be in. It's like, don't try to go through that boulder, just go mm-hmm. around it. And now you have to stay on the route, of course. But. <laughs> right, right, yes, yeah. There are rules to follow yeah, for yeah. certain, but, but it's yeah. It's a metaphor, people. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, but you know, you end up expending more energy fighting the thing than if you were to just work with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's your weakness? Yeah, oh man. Um, sometimes I don't know when to stop. Um, I'm a little worried about like trying, trying to be the hero, um, and knowing my limits, um, at times. Um, yeah, I think that, that I could easily overextend myself and then kind of put myself into a hole. Um, if I, if I don't pay enough attention to, to what I need, um, that's where it yeah. could be a weakness, right? Yeah. Like yeah. not attending to yourself is all well, fine and good. But mm-hmm. if you are not doing a good job of staying on top of that, then you are going to get in a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely a double-edged sword. Well, it's interesting, right, Hannah? Because you really, you're, you are putting yourself in one of those scenarios where you don't know what you are truly capable of, right? You are going to be stepping out onto like a, the next you know, the next iteration of bike pack racing. And uh, it, we don't know. And that's kind of the fun, I think, of these endurance efforts is, you know, how deep in the well can I go and still recover and keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. And I assume you're going to be playing around with with finding out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I could, I could see that. And that's, and especially with an event this long too, like if you're not careful, you could definitely, yeah, push yourself over that edge. Yeah. All right. I got a couple, uh, just fun ones, uh, mm-hmm. to close it out. Um, music, podcast, audiobooks. like, what do you, what do you do? What do you do just to entertain yourself, whether it's music or podcasts? Like, what do you do just to kind of stay mentally engaged and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I never thought I'd be an audiobook person. Um, but I, during high country, I had downloaded the Harry Potter books and that was nice because I know Harry Potter from childhood and I know everybody's names and their roles. And so I, like, I didn't really have to focus on the story necessarily because it was I familiar enough that mm-hmm. it was okay that it was kind of background. Um, I've done a thing, well, I haven't asked them yet, but I'm going to ask my friends to each make a playlist for me um, and have them like you know, provide a little piece of themselves and it'll kind of be nice to just like catch those different vibes and, you know, be like, Oh, I'm going to listen to Ariel's playlist. And it's like, I'm hanging out with him. Um, you know, so I'm going to, I love, love, love that idea. That's Uh so good. 
Um, yeah, I, I just was like, everybody keeps asking me like, what can I do for you? And I'm like, mm. I don't, I have no idea. Um, and that was the thought that I had. That Probably I was like, oh, just, yeah, nice. send some words of encouragement via text on right. that, you know, yeah. and think yeah, and some music. Yeah. Think of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't forget me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then just and try to sometimes sit in, in silence and like take in the actual environment around. I don't ever really have like, uh, I try to reserve any kind of headphone use to when I really need it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so try to also like allow myself to have, to, to be alone. Cause like I mentioned it earlier, but I'm really not alone a lot. Um, I don't really even ride my bike alone and, uh, I have a roommate (laughs) and I, you know, work a very social, like forward facing job. So trying to just get myself to like, enjoy that alone time because um, it's pretty rare. Yeah. I love alone time. Mm-hmm. All right. So food on route, like gas mm-hmm. station food. I mean, you know, we're all, you're all going to be eating like whatever's on route. So like, I don't know, what are some go-tos mm-hmm. for you? And when you hop into a gas station, Lael's known for her milk. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Which she, I, I don't know what she's going to do this year. She's She'd stop drinking milk because it's helping. She's got really bad asthma. Oh, that and makes sense. She's always had the asthma in the lungs and that'll like create phlegm. And, mm-hmm. uh. Yeah, exactly. And so milk or just lactose will mm-hmm. uh, cause a lot of that like stoppage um, or make it a lot worse. So I have had the thought though, she she talked about um, she used to get like pints of ice cream, like Haagen-Dazs and let it melt and then drink That's it. That's right. She did talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to do that at some point. I love ice cream. So that's going to be excellent. Um, (laughs) And I haven't ever done that before. So I'll do that for sure. Um, A trick that I came up with during showdown this past time was um, for some reason, I just really wanted cereal. And then I got like a muscle milk protein drink and that was my milk for the cereal. That's (laughs) smart. Oh, this is good. This is a good different way to consume carbs and protein and Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess sugar to kind of wake you up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I definitely am still, I am the worst when I walk into a gas station. I still kind of like wander aimlessly. So a, a thought that I had recently was that I, I don't usually go for chips for whatever reason. Um, and so now I'm like, well, just you're going to be eating from gas stations for, you know, a couple weeks. Like pick out some chips. <laughs> <laughs> Um, go Sample for a few. That, yeah, yeah. Go for things you don't normally get because I think the thing that I battle the most is just like the um, kind of the repetitiveness of it is like getting the same thing a lot. Um, I'll start to wear myself out on certain like gummy candies or um, peanut butter crackers or yeah, whatever Yeah, the else. palate fatigue is real. Yeah, absolutely. So that and then also trying to prioritize real food when it is an option. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like absolutely. really give your body the nutrients when you can get them. Mm-hmm. All right, favorite piece of, or what, yeah, what is the piece of gear you're most excited about? Ooh, that's a good one. Favorite piece of gear that I'm most excited about. I mean, I'm stoked on trying the waterproof socks. That I'm actually excited about. Which ones did you get? Um, I got seal skins. Yeah. Um, they were on QVP, so it was easy. Um, I mean, I carry my Leatherman everywhere I go. Um, I've just got like a little foldable Leatherman that um, I always have with me. I don't have it with me right now, but I always have with me on these trips um, because it's got pliers on it and little scissors and a knife and such. Um, 
Yeah, I'd say that that's that's probably one of them. That and also, okay, here here here's for the unpreparedness. This okay. is just how unprepared I am. Okay, um, I am gonna go to Missoula, right? I'm flying to go stay with Allie Mabry in Missoula. Um, she's wonderful. She works for ACA, um, and I shipped a frame bag to her um, from. REI. I was like getting, I wanted to get a full frame bag and then I just never actually did it. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I was doing it, if I shipped it to Austin, then I would probably be gone by then. So I'm getting a Revelate frame bag from REI so that I can test it and see if it fits. And if it doesn't, then I can return it to REI in Missoula. <laughs> um, after I have already left to go do tour divide, I'm going to switch frame bags maybe. Um, <laughs> So we'll see um, how that goes. <laughs> to be continued on the next episode yeah, of truly. Hannah Tackles the Triple Crown. <laughs> yeah. Or something. Um. Uh, what is today? Today is May 29th. Mm -hmm. You leave for Missoula in three days, you said? Uh-huh. On June 1st. And I'll then the Tour Divide starts June 9th. Mm -hmm. Is that yes. right? June 9th. So we are... Yeah, we're ten days, out. 10 days out. This podcast will come out. So we, our timing is so good, Hannah. Uh, we're going to release this on the 7th. Wow, so yeah. it'll be like, right, it'll be prime. You Perfect. can listen to yourself on the tour divide. Will you listen <laughs> like, to this? Yeah, wow. I was so unprepared a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll feel differently. Um, Do you think you'll listen? I don't know. I haven't listened to any of the podcasts I've done. So, yeah, I don't um, blame you. Not because yeah. they're bad, but like I wouldn't listen to myself either. I have to, but it's it's painful. You yeah. Know? It's like, yeah. I, <laughs> so we'll see. All right. Well, yeah, so we're we're 10 days away from uh, your first ever attempt at the Tour Divide. Mm -hmm. And then after the Tour Divide, how many months or weeks? Uh, yeah, it's months until Colorado Trail. Uh-huh. It's like it's about a month and a half. Well, it depends on when I finish Tour Divide. Good point. Um, so the with the goal time, I'll probably have about a month and a half um, because the start of Colorado Trail Race is at 4 a.m. on August 13th. Yeah. So you'll have a month and a half to get back, recover, mm -hmm. start training for a gnarlier, uh, you know, t more technical trail. And mm -hmm. then I'm assuming reevaluate your gear mm -hmm. and figure out what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is yeah. that kind of the plan? Yep. Yeah. And work full time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and just you know, work. Just piece the bike shop back together. No. <laughs> piece it back together. Y'all keep the bike shop running good for Hannah while she's gone. Yeah. Y'all no, can call me. Fun. I'll come in. I got my cyclist shirt in mm -hmm. on, so I'm I'm ready to go to work. Just clock me in. <laughs> I'll sell a bike. Yeah. I think I, do. I think I could sell a bike. Probably. I don't think you're really selling bikes, right? You're you're educating people mm -hmm. and, and giving them information and they already want the damn bike. You're mm -hmm. just You're just helping them give them the information. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, been, so uh, I really appreciate it. It's been fun because like we, uh, we did our first episode after the first East Texas showdown. And so I've been privy to the start of your bikepacking career, quote, quote, you know, and, um, I, I, I genuinely, I, I guess I'm a fan of yours. You know, I've, <laughs> I've enjoyed watching you. I've got to see you at every East Texas showdown. I've followed your dot at Westford Way and Arkansas High Country Way race. And it's exciting. It's exciting to take on something this big. And I really just appreciate you being so candid with uh, sharing your experience with us. And I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of following along from the sidelines and rooting for you. Yeah. 
Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm stoked. All right. Anything else? Mm, all for now. Until next <laughs> I time. guess you got to go back to work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then you got to train tonight. What do you do? <laughs> what are you doing tonight if you get off work? Um, I have to pack my bike into a box. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna put that into a box, and then yeah, I've got work again tomorrow and tear down my last tear down before I leave. So um, yeah, and then I fly out Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck out there. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. All right, everybody. That's a wrap on edition number one of Hannah Takes On the Triple Crown. I am giddy to start watching The Dots on June 9th, as I'm sure many of you are. Don't be shy to send Hannah a message. Let her know you're rooting for her. And uh, yeah, we're going to catch up with her after her tour divide. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, let's see, lots going on. This evening, I'm heading to Austin. Actually, in two hours from now, I head to Austin. I'm going to interview James that just uh, attempted the ITT of the new Central Texas Showdown route. So I'm going to be interviewing him. And uh, then tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., I'm flying out to Oaxaca. Then I come back and I have a meeting in Llano, Texas to finalize some details for the Central Texas Showdown. And uh, we're just going to keep going, going, going. Lots going on over here. And I can't wait to share it all with you very soon. And as a quick reminder, if you'd like to support this episode, a great way to do that is support the people that support this work. You can find their information in the show notes. And of course, you can always support this work directly over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. And that's all we have this week. Happy dot watching, folks, and good luck to all the Tour Divide riders out there. Have a great time. Wheels down, smiles up, and you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes. Oh, death. Bikes. Oh, death. Oh, yes. <laughs>